So Money episode 1107, Julie Plake McMinn, co-founder of The Learning Match. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. There's so many people in my life, and I'm sure you have them too, is that, you know, we both went to Penn State and every single per- one of my roommates is a teacher and my sister's a teacher. And I think that this, what this has first of all shown us is that the system has been turned on its head and has, has been really put under a microscope. They say necessity is the mother of invention. And in the pandemic, as families struggled to address the education gap and the learning gap for their kids, a group of moms got together in the summer to create an essential platform for parents and teachers to connect to support children. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. You just heard from my guest, co-founder of The Learning Match, a new platform that connects families to trusted, qualified, and experienced educators in their local communities and virtually nationwide. Access to The Learning Match is free for educators and currently also free for families during The Learning Match's beta testing. This is absolutely a platform I wish I had this summer. I was connected to Julie through a mutual friend Friend. We were both Penn Staters, both moms, small world. And I'm delighted to see what she and her co-founders are creating and how far they've come with the learning match. More about Julie. She has over 15 years of experience in marketing and branding. She began her career in New York City after graduating from Penn State. And she worked for top brands, including Niche Media, which is a luxury lifestyle magazine publisher. And there she worked on big titles like Gotham and Hamptons Magazine. Later, she she went to work for Bethany Frankel in the early days as she was beginning her skinny girl empire. You may remember seeing Julie on The Real Housewives of New York City alongside Bethany as the two plotted and planned for the launch of the skinny girl brand. In our conversation, Julie and I talk about how three working moms, including herself, with many kids in between them, found the time and the capacity to launch yet another business in the pandemic and recession. Julie's third child is only four months old. What lasting changes does Julie see taking shape in the world of education as a result of everything that we're seeing and experiencing right now. And I had to ask her about the skinny girl leaving New York for Pittsburgh after helping to launch the skinny girl brand for Bethany Frankel. That decision was aired on the Real Housewives of New York. And for me, that was always a curious thing. Why would Julie leave when she had built so much success in the Big Apple? All this and more. Here's my guest, Julie Plake McMinn. Julie Plake McMinn, welcome to So Money. How are you? Mom of three, entrepreneur. What's a day in the life like right now for you? Oh, hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to to finally talk to you. Right now, a day in the life for me looks like kind of business slash momming slash wifing slash housekeeper slash short order cook slash driver. That's what's going on with me. But I'm very lucky that I have my mom close by to help. But I am, you know, trying to manage with a newborn still and get back into my business, 
amongst all that is going on with these uncertain times and during COVID and trying to navigate that as a mom and a business owner, which I'm sure you understand. I do. And what I I think is one of the bright spots in all of the mayhem that's happening right now and the chaos for families is that as as much as we need help, we're reaching out to one another. And I was grateful that you and I were connected through a mutual friend, uh, just all in the the frenzy that was the back to school season towards the end of the summer. I'm freaking out about school, but at the same time, I'm also concerned about people who have less than I do and less families who are less fortunate. How the heck are they going to navigate? You know, teaching their kids, working, dealing with money in a, in a recession. And um, I was led to you, Julie, because uh, you're first of all, I mean. Anyone listening who might know the name Julie, like uh, <laughs> she is a former Real Housewives of New York cast member. But more importantly, she is you are one of the founding um, sort of employees, and I think can take a lot of credit for the the blockbuster Skinny Girl brand that uh, was founded by Bethany Frankel. And I remember watching you on the show. And then fast forward to just this last summer, I'm connected to you because you're starting an incredible mission to help families navigate and teachers navigate this very uncertain time for school. So maybe let's start with what you're working on right now and what transpired. Your company is called The Learning Match or one of your, you know, one of your initiatives is called The Learning Match, which I really want to just start with because this is very much speaking to the times and anyone listening uh, might be able to benefit from this. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that introduction. I and then I'm going to go back to the skinny girl because I, I think that's... <laughs> yeah, for sure. We can we could go on for hours about, about that as well. But yes, I was on as Bethany's assistant um, on The Real Housewives of New York and then her show, Bethany Ever After, for a few seasons. And that was when I lived in New York City. And now I moved to Pittsburgh and am starting this new initiative, as you mentioned, among um, some other things. So the learning match was really born from this whole concept, which I think you'll understand is that, you know, moms have this innate feeling to figure out like, what is needed? How can we get to a plan? And when virtual schooling became a thing that was a reality for, you know, the entire country. My friend, Amy um, Lundy, she lives in South Florida. We had a business called the mother of all baby showers, or she has a business called the mother of all baby showers. It's an event for expecting a new parents and in-person event. So when everything changed, we kind of shifted our different events across the country to be virtual. And um, as a entrepreneur, she was getting contacted by a lot of different parents in her network because she had this large network of parents that she'd created. I was getting contacted a lot because I know a lot of different teachers by parents saying that, do you know any teachers or any educators who you know might be just able to help me during this time? And so Amy and I got together and we joined with another Amy. (laughs) These are my two Amys. Another Amy um, out of um, Washington, D.C. area, Amy Mascot. And she has a company called Teach Mama. 
And we got together and created this concept, the learning match. And what it is, is a public facing, simple database of educators and a place for parents to connect with those educators. So each fill out a profile and we match them. So it's similar to you know, to be quite honest, a dating site, right? We are connect, we are the connector and they can see different things about one another. This educator has elementary school experience and this educator has ESL background or can do IEPs. And then the parent is looking for someone to maybe come into their home and sit with them while they do school. Or maybe the parent just needs someone to talk to each week for an hour about their child's schedule. So it's really just trying to bring together a database of educators across the country that may be in school part-time, maybe getting their master's degree, just in that education field and bringing them together uh, with families who may need them. It's pretty brilliant. And uh, just Thank tell you. us a bit more about how it works in terms of, you know, geography, low cost. Yeah, absolutely. So right now we are in beta testing, right? We have our website built and we are testing with parents and educators joining. Everything right now is free. So it's free for an educator to build their teaching profile. Um, It will always be free for educators to build their teaching profiles. So that differentiates it from, let's say, a tutoring company or something uh, like a learning center where those businesses take a large portion of the teacher or the educator's rate. So it's free for teachers and we don't get involved with the rate negotiation. We leave that up to the parents and the educators. And then our parents go in for right now in this stage for free and they create their own profile and then they can surf through our database to find educators, let's be honest, in their area perhaps, if they feel comfortable having people come into their home. Or with what's going on now, it could be even a virtual coach or tutor or just someone to work with your child on a different a different way than in person. You know, we wanted to make it comfortable for everybody. So I think that a lot of teachers and educators who are in that industry right now are out there trying to help because as teachers, that's why they got into that profession. And mm-hmm. I think that they are looking for places as well. And I think that this is an easy way for them to get access to some families that doesn't require them to go through, let's per se, signing up to be an employee of a learning center or a tutoring company. What do you think this has taught you about the future of education? A lot of us are scrambling right now to find solutions. As you say on your website, necessity is the motherhood, the mother of invention. And that's kind of how the learning match came about. But I wonder of all these changes that are happening, what do you think is going to remain in a post-COVID world? Do you think that this has created a new economy for teachers that they might see a day where they'll get paid more or there'll be different ways to teach and families are going to have to be more at the forefront of securing education for their kids? Because we're learning now that education always seems to be the last thought. Like we don't prioritize education in this country as much as we do things like the stock market and the economy. But frankly, the education is at the underpinning of all of that, right? If you don't have a strong education system, you can't have a strong economy. So what do you think this is teaching you about the future of education? A hundred percent. I agree with you. And I, there's so many people in my life, and I'm sure you have them too, is, the, you know, 
we both went to Penn State and every single per- one of my roommates is a teacher and my sister's a teacher. And I think that this, what this has first of all shown us is that the system has been turned on its head and has, has been really put under a microscope in, let's say a good and bad way where there are different changes that need to happen. Teachers need to be paid more. It's, it's, it's shed a light on the fact that now people are paying attention to the education system and it makes you think and pause of why haven't, why hasn't that been happening all along? Because it is the cornerstone of how everything else in the economy happens, education. And I think that our teachers, the people in my life, the teachers in my life have, are almost like, thank you that I'm glad that everyone's seeing this. And I think that it, is going to hopefully have more people have an opinion and fight for our teachers and fight for our education and fight for the communities that don't have access to the same type of education necessities that, you know, my child has access to. Also, it has really allowed this use of technology to happen that perhaps that we were forced to use sooner than than our children were ready. And I was listening to the podcast that you did a few weeks ago about how it's taught us that our children are a lot more able to adjust maybe than we are. Mm-hmm. And I think oh, yeah. that there will be a virtual aspect of school and school districts forever now. A lot of these larger districts have set up cyber academies, and I think that that won't go away anytime soon. I always wonder what we would have done if technology didn't exist and we had a pandemic or at least the internet as we are used to it didn't exist. I mean, had this happened even just 20 years ago when you and I were, you know, or maybe like 30 years ago uh, when you and I, there were no, there was no email when we were 10, 15 years old. You know what I mean? So what would have the government done then? Of course, there have been pandemics (laughs) that predate us and uh, school went on and they did it outdoors. I just feel like sometimes we almost rely too much on technology, but to your point, there there are sort of pros and cons to it. And it is accelerating sometimes the inevitable. This pandemic has really accelerated what was already sort of our future. You started this company in the in a pandemic, a mom of three. You are an experienced brand marketing expert and professional. So you obviously had some, you know, immediate know-how as to sort of how to build this and build this well quickly. But for everybody listening, what were some of those strategies that you pulled in those early days? And this is only a few months in and already you're in beta testing. I want to learn from you as an entrepreneur and as a busy mom, how did you coordinate this? And what would you say were your best steps? So I'm going to have to give the credit where credit's due to my business partner, Amy, Amy Lundy down in Florida, because she called me and she's like, you're doing this with me. Like you're doing it. Like I know you have a newborn. I love you. You're doing it with me. And this is what we're doing, you know? So it's, Mm -hmm. it's that someone, you know, the first thing is that you really have to have your fire lit by yourself or someone else to say, we want to solve this problem. We want to, we want to, you know, bring something, whatever idea it is to the public. Like it's not enough to just, you have to have that passion. So we kind of got down and dirty in that passion right away of how can we, how can we help solve this for people? So that was kind of the the first thing that happened. So then I think that we instead of harping over, and I think that sometimes in businesses, when you start them, you're trying to him and ha over maybe things that don't, 
you don't need to really decide about right away. We just kind of went full blaze on into this. We are working with developer who we've created a great relationship with in India, which has been a really cool experience for me. You know, just the different that there's, he moves so fast and got all of this done for us in such a great, a great way and is so responsive. And we really kind of lucked out there to move this super fast. We both have a lot of people in our network that have expertise because I do think when you're starting a business, it's, it's hard to do everything and be an expert of your, on your own. So it's good to have people surrounding to be able to ask them questions. And this is building not just a website, right? This is building an entire tech backend that, you know, profile logged in and logged out that made me kind of reminded me of my agency days at my, at an ad agency here in Pittsburgh, where, you know, for our different clients, you know, building user experiences and remembering how long that that took. So we are kind of patting ourselves on the back that this just kind of all happened very quickly. But now's the scary part, right? You have to take that leap of, okay, it's here and people are going to use it and people are going to have issues. It's technology, right? And um, we're going to solve those problems knowing that the real goal is that it only takes that one message from a parent or a, a grown up to an educator and then they will connect on or offline and then they can start helping their child's education right there. And just Amy and I always talk about this, just doing that one time will just make this worth it. Like helping like one family be a little bit less stressed and one family find someone else. Because the thing is, is not everyone is in these mom groups on Facebook, right? Not everyone has a teacher friend that they can message and say, Hey, do you know anybody? Not everyone has the time to filter through next door and the community message boards about finding people in the area that might be a good fit for their family. If they're kind of drowning and both parents are working or they just need someone for an hour to help with the virtual schooling. So that, that kind of is what makes it all worth it. Just create, creating that one connection that we're hoping to create. And again, we are jumping into this in that entrepreneur fashion of like, we think it's going to work and we want it to work and let's just put it out there. So the one other thing that I will say is that I, with all of my branding and marketing background, I always want to have a brand and a vision and a visuals that I can stand behind. And that's one thing I'm really that came together very quickly that sometimes is more difficult with the brand is that getting this visual this great logo and a great understanding. And I think that we, we did that. And so we kind of checked that off the list and now to the, to the tech part, which is the scary part. So get your fire lit, get your team, be willing to take risks, take that leap of faith and, and, and accept that you're going to be failing all, <laughs> all the way to the finish line. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but clearly you're also identifying a need in the marketplace. I mean, what greater need right now uh, than uh, supporting families navigate the whole uh, maze that is the educational system. And I love that you are democratizing the process for people because yeah, I mean, uh, right now there's, there's no like, straight path, right? It's like a 
posting on Facebook, uh, calling a bunch of tutoring companies, uh, you know, and the pricing is all over the map. And this, uh, I can't wait till you're, till you're up and running. Cause I, I mean, I wish it was up and running sooner. I would have totally taken yeah, <laughs> advantage no, of it. You have, you're doing that. You're, you're doing the virtual school and both of you are working and it's just, again, we wanted to make it simple. Because that's mm-hmm. in, in Amy's life, in my life, and our other business partner Amy's life. I don't, ha- and it's it's such a maybe a bad attitude. I don't have time in my head or or time physically for something to be complicated. And like I know that's very. It might sound that might sound very like I don't I don't even know how it sounds, but it's it's the mom gene, you know. Yeah, I don't it's have like time to deal. I need something to be easy. So that was what we wanted to do with this. Like, this is so simple. Like make your profile and get on there, find someone and then get out, you know, just, you gotta connect with them and then let's get on with our lives. Like we don't want to be involved. We just want to be the connectors. Like that's why it's simple and safe and connecting and they can message back and forth on the platform. But that's the only thing we want to be a part of. We just want to kind of help build that community in there. And then it's up to parents to take their relationship with the future educator to whatever next level they want. Let's go back in time now. Let's talk about your first years as a marketing and advertising assistant in New York. You've worked at places including Gotham and Hamptons Magazine. You, as we discussed, were on the team for Bethany Frankel's a launch of Skinny Girl. I remember watching those episodes and it was like you behind a computer 24 hours a day. I know she like came over to you and was like, Julie, we need a million people on our email list. And you're like, well, we have a thousand. She's like, well, we need it. We need a million. And and you really delivered for her. And it's no doubt to this day when she references you out there in the in the world, like she's just is so grateful for you. I was always shocked when you announced on the show that you were going to move back to Pittsburgh. So I was like, this this woman Julie, you could have had such a life in New York. And as a New Yorker, I was like, I "What's better than New York?" And now I'm living in New Jersey. But I sort of understood it because you wanted to go back and you know start your family. And and Pittsburgh definitely a lot more you know in some ways more family friendly. But what was your reasoning? And and was it hard to leave New York? Oh my gosh, it's still. I think it might be the hardest thing that I ever did. It took me. You can ask my now husband. It took me three years to do it, but. I needed to live my own life. And I think that in New York, at least for me, all of my jobs were very wrapped up in other people's lives. And that was great for my the beginning of my career, my learning, but it was exhausting, that part of it. But also New York is exhausting as well. I did feel like I was eventually going to go back to Pittsburgh to kind of start my family. And I felt like it was almost like the timing was right. But I, every day I miss New York. I mean, the energy, I'm heartbroken over, you know, I can't imagine what it's going on there right now. But I think that it was, it was really a personal decision. And a growing decision that I think that I was ready to make at, I think I was 28. I think I had done my, my twenties and I had learned a lot and I still had a lot to learn, but it was wonderful working for skinny girl, working for Bethany. I mean, it it was amazing. 
but I got to the point where I think that I, I was just ready to move on and I was a little bit burnt out and I didn't want that burnout to affect the business or my career. I, I think it was, it just was like almost like a perfect timing. Like I had, I felt like I had delivered and taken her as far as personally I could. And she, I knew that she, you know, her career track would happen how it has, right? To be this huge philanthropist now and a podcast that like, I think hit the charts before it was even launched over the past week. But it was just time. I don't know. Does that, you have that feeling, that gut feeling. Sure. And that's one thing that she taught me was that you have to go with your gut and that feeling. And that's why when my now husband was like, are you coming? Are you ready to move home now? And I was like, you know what? My gut doesn't tell me I'm ready. And I stayed for, for longer. But I think that it was just the timing. But I do miss New York. I mean, my, my best girlfriends are there. But you went to Jersey. Why'd you go to Jersey? Well, <laughs> sort of like you, like our gut was telling us that our time in New York was, the, the returns were diminishing. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. You know, um, you come to New York, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. New York can delivers you a lot of great opportunities and network. And I attribute so much of who I am today to having gone through that journey, professional and personal in New York City. But then you become a mom and you start, you know, looking at your life ahead. And uh, at some point your life is, you know, it's not just about you anymore, right? It's about your family, your family unit. And we were looking over the river thinking we our money could go a little bit further. We could, and the, you know, so we just felt like the timing for us, it was our time to move to, a, to just, for just change. You know, I tried a lot to make New York work financially to fit in all of the things that were important to us that were evolving um, as we became um, a bigger family. We wanted more space. We wanted more nature. We wanted we wanted to be able to drive our car whenever we wanted to instead of like going to the garage and paying a tip. And this, you know, it's like, we just wanted more freedom. If that sounds weird because New York's kind of like the freest place on earth. Yeah. But as a family, we just, we craved a different lifestyle. And that really led us to uh, where we are now, which is the suburbs of New Jersey. And of course, the pandemic, that wasn't why we moved, but it was definitely a kick in the pants. So we were like, mm -hmm. okay, how fast can we get out of here? What was the biggest career lesson you learned? And maybe it was learned the hard way when you worked um, in New York City. Maybe it was for Bethany, but what, what was something that to this day you look back on? You're like, that was a defining moment in my approach to work. Oh, I had a, uh, she's still a mentor of mine, but I had, my bosses have always been real tough, right? And I was at Niche Media, which is now, the magazines are still around as Gotham and Hamptons, but it's owned by a different company. But I was there and I worked for a lot of, you know, demanding, powerful people. And I met this woman who was an executive assistant um, for at a bank or for some big person, not a famous person or anything. And, uh, I don't know. I, I, for some, I met her on her plane going home for Thanksgiving. And I said something to her, like, I just, I cry a lot. Like I get very emotional. Like when I feel like I'm disappointing these people or, you know, I feel like my eyes welling up and like when they're angry or mad about something I did, or I disappointed them, I have that whole thing. I want things to be perfect. And she, we were at, um, Sushi Samba cause she was like, I'll take you out and we can talk about all this stuff. We were at Sushi Sama right on Park Avenue South 
And she said to me, as a woman and as a business person, you have to be the emotionally stable person for these people that you work for. And their issues and their disappointments and their highs and lows in business and in life cannot affect you in that kind of way, or you'll never survive. And I sat with that for a long time. And I I think that that's why I was able to do the work for these people as an assistant, as a go-to person, as an organizer, a coordinator for so long, because I am a very emotional person in real life. And, and um, well, sometimes I think like now I'm not so emotional because, because of some of my things that I've been through, but I was all, I, from that moment forward, I said, she's right. Like the fact if this person's like so happy about something, I just have to stay even keeled. If this person's so pissed off at me and I want to cry, I just have to say, you know what? My bad. I'm going to stay the course and I'm going to provide you with what you want. I can't change the past and let's move on. So I, uh, and, and I worked at it. That's not like an easy thing to do, but I always kept that in the back of my mind. And there was no Facebook or Instagram back then. So I don't know who this woman is, but I always remember her. We all have to have that reckoning in our 20s. Hopefully we have that reckoning, right? Because it's we're all new to the territory and we're kind of thrusted into this, you know, these professional pressure yeah. cooker environments yeah. with a lot of big personalities. I mean, it is New York and uh, Pittsburgh's sort of like the Midwest, right? I mean, it's like the, it's like the first stop in the Midwest, people say. Um, kind of, yeah. Yeah, so it's a lot less, it's a lot different here. And I will say from, you know, how you mentioned New York is like the freest, you can do anything, but in some ways it's very constricting. And I don't think that unless you've lived there, you could really understand that. Well, but it's I cost think, prohibitive, that's for sure. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that, if we're talking money, I mean, that's a, it, obviously that's what you talk about on here. I mean, mm-hmm. money wise, like it didn't make sense for me to stay. It didn't make sense for my husband to leave his job and come there so that we could, you know, carry shit up three flights of stairs and be exhausted every day. So I I don't know, there's those different things that that began, like you said, to outweigh. But um, as far as leaving New York, I think that I don't know if if Jersey so much you will see this, but I feel like you do realize you kind of pass it on to the next generation. Like I have friends that are younger that are still living there, like living that, you know, it's like you pass it on to them, like all of the things. And I think there also is this opening that you have when you do leave New York, that New York is huge, but it also is small and it isn't the rest of the country. There's a lot of other things going on in the rest of the country that I think sometimes as a business person in New York, you were like, only think of doing things one way. Whereas Mm -hmm. there's you know, middle America that when you start a business or a company and you want it to succeed, you have to appeal to everybody, not just New Yorkers and people from LA who have a very different way of thinking than the rest of the world. Yes. That makes sense. Well, New York's always here for you, Julie. I mean, you made it once, you can make it here again. It's true. It's true. So let's talk a little bit about money. What is a money lesson you learned growing up. Tell me a little bit about your your adult your childhood. Like I always like to ask guests yeah. about that just to give us a snapshot, a memory. Of course, I I grew up in Pittsburgh. Um my mom, I have there's three of us. I am the oldest of three and my mom stayed home with us and raised 
us. And my father, he worked his way up. He was at PricewaterhouseCooper and then he in Pittsburgh. And then he took on the Pittsburgh Pirates baseball team as a client. And then they hired him on the on the pirate side to to be in-house. And he's now the CFO. So he has a a great story of, you know, going from one the beginning of his career to to the pirates and working his way up. So I always saw that as a, you can do anything, you can kind of make your own career path. Um, you, if, even if you didn't, he didn't go to school to work for a baseball team. So I, I always held that in the, the back of my head. And then I also did hold what a powerful career that my mother had that now I appreciate to like a whole other level of raising us and being with us 24 seven and making us the 100% priority in her life. And so it was a great way to, to grow up regarding money. I think that any money noise, Bethany always called it, which I think is a great term. Any money noise really for me, I'm very lucky started when I moved to New York and I'm like, how am I going to do this? You know, on $28,000. What's money noise exactly? Like just all the... Like food noise. It's like when you're constantly Mm. just thinking about, can I... Surviving. Surviving or like just the, can I buy that? Should I buy that? Am I paycheck to paycheck? It's all that stuff you think in your mind about money at at different stages of your life, right? The money noise that I had in New York City was, you know, we got to stay out till midnight because I get paid at midnight on Thursday to pay, you know, pay for the bar tab. Whereas now it's like, am I budgeting the right way? Am I, you know, how am I running my business versus how are we running our personal life finances versus should I send my child to daycare? Is it what's, is it worth the 350 a month or is it worth for me to just try to manage it at home? It's, I guess it's that noise in your head that you're, when you're always weighing things differently. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, You mean that? (laughs) Um, I think it was, uh, Ariana Huffington, well, it wasn't so much about money, but just a lot of the, um, a lot of the noise in your, in your head. She called it the, uh, the angry roommate, That's <laughs> so hilarious. Like, the disgruntled roommate, the annoying roommate. Our right, common you, friend, <laughs> Ali calls the food in your head when you think about food or all the stuff around that, it, she calls it uh, mental gymnastics. So it's just this mm-hmm. gymnastics. And I don't, sometimes I don't know, like, do I have a normal amount of gymnastics in my head going on? Like, does my husband have the same kind of gymnastics around all these things in his head? I don't know. And then you have now the mom gymnastics of like, am I being a good enough parent? Am I doing this right? And I, I think that, you know, to come full circle back to, to all of this, this is like, mm-hmm. this is this, this whole education at virtual learning, your kids learning and now being responsible for almost in a sense is like this gymnastics that you never had in your head, this noise you never had in your head. And now oh, everything else move over. Now I got to make space in my head for is my child going to be able to thrive through all this? Am I doing enough? Am, am is Are my children going to fall behind? And then mm-hmm. like you said, the empath in both of us goes to the whole other level of worrying about people's children that we don't even know. How are these people going to do it? Oh my gosh. How, if, if I can't do this, how are people with less than me going to be able to do that? Right. And um, I don't know, as women or as empaths, I mean, we take on a lot in our mind in these different conversations that like, I think as now a 
37, almost 38 year old, I'm trying to not have those conversations in my head because I feel like I've just been having them since I was 25 years old. And I, I need to make space to enjoy life in my head. I don't. And so that's kind of, I guess, another thing that maybe I got in New York. A lot of, uh, influences. I think when you're in a big, when you're in the big apple, it's hard to, on the one hand, it's, it's ironic, right? Like New York is where you find yourself and, you know, it's like you really, uh, have this opportunity to experiment and be yourself. It's a very accepting place, but at the same time, there's a lot of people, uh, sort of imposing themselves on you, especially if you're, you know, working in the roles that you had working for a very like, you know, busy, high profile business people that can, that can surely, um, it's only so much of that you can take, you know, and, and you obviously made a decision around that. But Julie, I would love to keep talking because as our listeners know, I started a small scholarship earlier this fall slash summer to help with the learning inequities mm -hmm. uh, that this pandemic and recession has created um, because parents who have to go back to work but also have kids who have to go to school virtually. How does it? How does that work? They need obviously people from the learning match. So uh, we created a small scholarship to help a few families uh, navigate that a little bit more comfortably this fall with some scholarship and technology and laptops. But I think that there is obviously overlap between what we're trying to accomplish here and what you're doing and your team's doing. So let's keep talking and see if we can help out um, your community and. Let us know what's the timeline for the learning match. When can we expect something more robust so that so, our listeners yeah, are, can tap the goal, in? The goal of October 2020 is to build our database of educators across the country and our database of parents. And, you know, when you think of marketing goals and marketing strategies for a company, you know, the, the, two, the two marketing goals are always build awareness and drive sales. So right now we're going to build awareness for the learning match, get as many parents in as we can. And then, you know, for the rest of the year, hopefully we'll be in that position to be able to, you know, start charging parents for access. And then also to start giving back to those who may need um, some kind of grant or scholarship program. So I'm really glad that we can continue to talk about that because Listen, as we grow as a business, we always want to give back. All three of us involved in the learning match have pieces and parts of our current business that uh, give back to the communities. So this, the learning match will be no different. And we're just trying to navigate kind of that, the best route for that. So we're really excited and it's, it's, we're launching, we're launched now. You can build a profile now. Fantastic. Awesome. Julie Plake McMinn, thanks so much for joining and check out thelearningmatch.com. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks so much to Julie Plake McMinn. Check out the learning match at thelearningmatch.com. All this information is on somoneypodcast.com, including the audio and transcript. And while you're there, click on Ask Farnoosh and submit your question for our Friday episodes of Ask Farnoosh. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And I hope your day is so money. Money.